Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design Franchise. Here for this week's Embedded Executive Podcast. This week, my Embedded Executive is Tom Doyle, who is the CEO and founder of Aspinity. Hello, Tom, how are you today? I'm doing great, Rich, good to talk to you again. Same here. So uh, refresh the audience, uh, Aspinity, what do you guys do? So Aspinity is based around doing uh, what we call analog machine learning or analog computing and really driving down towards uh, a new semiconductor solution that that really drives the power down for many, many different applications that are doing edge computing. And so the the idea behind it is most efficient uh, computing at the edge. Okay, I am guessing you raised the eyebrows of the audience when you said analog machine learning. Uh, it's it's something that's we certainly don't talk a lot about. So, what is analog machine learning? Yeah, there's a lot to it, and uh, I mean, the idea is it is machine learning, which means you can you can actually train a model, create a model to do inferencing at the edge. So, detecting things like voice, detecting things like glass break, vibrational problems, biomedical problems, things of that nature, similar to what you might do in a digital world, but. Uh, we're doing this with analog circuitry from the ground up. And so there's a lot of benefits to that. But that, in essence, is, a, is what we mean when we say analog machine learning to kind of differentiate it from doing things in the digital world, which, you know, to kind of take a quick step back, all of the edge sensor data is naturally analog. So the idea is let's do that inferencing as soon as possible with the least amount of power and then decide what to do next with regards to the to the data or what we detect. Well, it's very simplistic, and I'm probably oversimplifying. But when you you said that all the, everything in the real world is analog anyway, but everything has been um, has been categorized as a digital uh, sample solution, whatever. It is. I mean, if you look at what 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 Google is doing, they could, they've digitized everything. So everything comes in digitally, but now you're saying that you don't have to take that extra step. You don't have to take it right away. I mean, let's let's use let's use our capabilities for analog machine learning to determine at the very beginning what data is relevant for the application. So, Glassbreak is one of the one of the best ones. So, you know, in a, in a digital world, you would sit there with an acoustic with a microphone and a DSP processing 100% of the sound in a room waiting for someone to break that window. And th that takes a lot of power because what you're doing is you're, you're digitizing all the analog, naturally analog data, and then you're looking at it with a DSP only to find out that, hey, nobody broke the window. But, but you've wasted that energy only to find that out. So what we do with our analog ML solution is we're able to actually process that information, the sound information in the room. And when we detect a glass break, which we can do in our analog ML core, now we can wake up the next stage of the system, digitize the data, send that to the cloud, do whatever needs to be done next. Maybe, maybe bring in another sensor to make a decision on pressure and then continue on. And so, so that, that's kind of the difference. When you digitize all the data blindly, you actually, number one, spend a lot of power doing that, and you don't know whether the data is relevant or not. So are you doing a constant comparison between, if you use your glass breaking example, silence versus that sound and just a constant loop of listening for that sound? Um, 
it, it's not really a loop. It's more of time series uh, processing of that information. So similar to what you would do in a DSP or whatnot, when you bring that data in, you know, typically you're sending that into a neural network. You're, you're looking at perhaps different MFCC type characteristics or zero crossing rate features or, you know, different log filter bank uh, information to, you know, different frequencies to look and see, hey, is, is, that, is that a glass break? Is that the signature of a glass break? Very similarly done in the digital world, but we do that within the analog world explicitly with analog circuitry. And so it's not much different than that. Um, but we are always on, always processing that information and looking at it to determine whether that, that signature is a glass break or not. And we can, we can discriminate between silence or other sounds, right, that are not glass breaking. That's kind of one of the keys. So it's not linear analog in the sense that you're, you know, listening for sound levels to increase and assume that might be a glass break. We're actually determining, yeah, that's a glass break. That's not a glass break, even though they're both sounds. If, if I remember right, you're using very inexpensive circuitry, right? But analog typically is inexpensive because we're using, uh, you know, more mature process technologies. I mean, when you get down into FinFET technologies, which are the latest, I mean, it's very expensive. So, yeah, there is some aspect of that where we are using the mature technologies when we go in to build our semiconductor chips, for sure. But then there's other aspects to what we do with regards to uh, you know, software content that runs on our machine, on our, um, on our analog ML cores. Are you using, using off-the-shelf silicon or are these ASICs? No, this is, this is very much our proprietary silicon. So we have a number of patents that really help us to implement this, this technology. And so, yeah, it's not, it's not a software solution. It's, it's a hardware and a software solution that's proprietary. So, you know, we, we build the models that run on our core and eventually our customers will be able to build those models as well to run on our chip. Okay, so we've first talked about the cost. What about the performance? Is it um, uh, as effective as a digital solution? I mean, we always get into the, the metric comparison of analog versus digital, which is always a, a challenge because those metrics are different, right? So in a digital world, it's about, you know, throughput and memory and, you know, uh, clocking, how fast am I clocking the circuit? But the idea of clocking and memory are, are not what we think about when we think about uh, analog computing. It's about, you know, using the, the data to make a decision as quickly as possible and as accurately as possible and as lower power. So, so those are the performance metrics we look at as well. But from, a, from an accuracy uh, standpoint, absolutely. It's on the same level as being able to determine, you know, speech or glass break. You know, we're able to, to, to have very high TPR rates and be able to detect these, you know, in comparison with digital solutions. But in some cases, I mean, we want to use the digital solutions differently as a second stage. So there's, there's always the trade-off between, you know, what do we want to do with an analog what do we want to do within digital? What do we want to do within the cloud, right? So you have three choices and there's these layers of abstraction that you want to kind of look at and optimize. Whereas today you really only have digital and cloud, right? And so we're adding another layer in there to be able to do that. But, but from an accuracy perspective, I, I think we're, we're there. Is it possible to do an apples to apples comparison of power? Uh, it is, but unfortunately, you know, when you look at it from a chip perspective, what, what happens is you don't, when you're in the digital world, they're typically specking out their chips and they're not specking out the, 
the added power of constantly digitizing data, right? Which is really uh, key to system level power. And so that's where we compare ourselves It's system level power. But it, it, you know, so our power for our, you know, for our voice detector or our glass break detector is in the 10 to 15 microamp range always on. We use an analog mic, which is running very low power in the, in the tens of microamp range. So, so that's the total always on power let's say in the 50 to 75 microamp range. Now you'll find a digital chip that's doing glass break that may be in the microamp range, right? Hundreds of microamps. But what they don't do is include the power that's needed for not only the microphone, but the digitization of that audio data, which is typically, you know, hundreds of microwatts of power uh, always on. And so that's where you really get into the struggle of comparing one-to-one, right? Because what we'll do is we'll be always on and we'll trigger the, the DSP, the MCU, or what have you, to come on when needed, which is, you know, really taps down that power, that system level power. Okay. Uh, one last thing. If, if you're doing digital ML, there's open source software for anything that you could possibly want to do. How does that translate to analog? Would somebody have to write this software from scratch? Because I'm assuming that it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So, you know, we, we hire machine learning folks and we, our team is, is pretty talented in that area. And, and we use some of those industry standard tools, right? PyTorch, as for instance. So, you know, when we develop our glass break models, our voice models, our bio models, these are all done with industry standard tools, but then we have the hooks into our technology that allow us to then go ahead and, and build that model. And then we can, we have a compiler where we can compile that onto our hardware. So it, it's, it's similar in nature and, and, and function, the way you step through building a model and moving it to any hardware, could be a digital hardware, but in our case, we're putting it on analog ML-based hardware, but it's very similar in nature. I find that really fascinating. I know when we first started talking about analog computing, I had to really move myself out of that digital box because it's just not the same. You have to really think differently. And this sounds like it's the same thing. If you're thinking like a digital guy, you just, you, you're not going to see the advantages of this. Yeah, I mean, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we've talked about this for a while. There's a lot going on in the industry with regards to analog computing and whatnot. And we could, you know, go on for hours, but it's a, it's a big space. And I think what we do is is quite unique, but you're absolutely right. I mean, number two things, we're, we're removing that barrier that, that many people may have with building an analog ML model. And so we want to make that as easy as possible, which is why we're building our own SDK. But also, you know, things that you do in, in the digital ML world. So for instance, you know, you do feature extraction and then you push things into a neural network is the same that we do in, in our world, in our analog world as well. We just happen to do feature extraction explicitly within analog. So if you wanna, as I mentioned earlier, grab a, a zero crossing, if you wanna use zero crossing rate as your feature or you know, RMS or Crest Factor or things like this, you can do that within, our, within the analog world and use those to make a decision the same as you would within the digital world. Good stuff. Thank you very much, Tom. I have a feeling that uh, our readers and I will be diving deeper into this in the very short term because this is cool stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a good time for analog and there's a lot going on. And so definitely look forward to talking in the future as well. Thanks, Rich. Awesome. That was Tom Doyle, the CEO and founder of Aspinity. And I'm Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.